Brown for the LA Clippers. You're now tuning in to Cruise Control, hosted by my man, Randy Cruz. Holla. Hey, and welcome to another edition of the Cruise Control podcast here on iTunes and SoundCloud.com. I'm here joined by Mr. Mike Scotto, NBA and college basketball writer for both SheridanHoops.com and the Associated Press. Mike, what's up, my man? How you doing? Hey, Randy. How are you? Great to be on, as always. Always a pleasure, man. I know every time you come on, we, we, we talk NBA, free agency, trade deadline, whatever it is. We always have a great conversation, so looking forward to this one. Same here. One of my favorite NBA guys to talk with. So what do you got for me today? Um, you, Mike, you know me, man. I mean, you know, first of all, you are the writer for Sheridan Hoops and the Associated Press. You cover NBA and college basketball, and you're on Twitter at Mike A. Scotto. Just, just, you know, just want to say that first and foremost. Um, you know me, Mike. I'm a big Knicks fan, and you know, I know you get a lot of uh, Knicks followers on Twitter and social media, and uh, probably said their opinion on or opinions on the moves they've made during the offseason. Um, Started with Derrick Rose, the trade with Chicago, and then them signing Joe Kim Noah, Courtney Lee, Brandon Jennings, uh, to go along with what they had with Melo and Porzingis. Just to just to rewind to just to rewind a bit, um, I want to start with the Derrick Rose trade. Um, just wanted to get your opinion on what that moves means for both New York and Chicago, and do you think that? This year with Derrick Rose is more like a rental year for the Knicks to see how he can perform to see whether he can be the long-term answer at the at the point guard position for the Knicks. Well, looking at the trade for Derrick Rose, I know some Knicks fans were a little bit upset that they had to give up Robin Lopez, who's a quality player uh, wow. at at the center position, and he's a guy that's on a pretty decent contract. Um, however, with that said. The Knicks prioritized upgrading the point guard position this summer. And in a league where that's the preeminent position, you had to at least give yourself a chance to get a guy who could be in that top 10 conversation or at worst, I would say, you know, in the top 15, which is still a considerable upgrade. Now, I know some Derrick Rose fans might say, wait, no, that's the former MVP. He's better than that. But. You know, he's still been dealing with injuries. And for the Knicks, looking at this move in particular, um, the, the opportunity to win with Carmelo Anthony is now. So right. you have to speed up the process going to ever make a run with him. Um, and with that said, getting Derrick Rose, who is in the final year of his contract, it's, in my opinion, good reasons with the Knicks. Number one, any player, whoever you are, in a contract year is going to give you 110% and the best of their ability. Uh, we've seen that over the course of time when guys are trying to earn money, especially in this new uh, CBA coming up and looking ahead towards the next summer when the salary cap's going to go projected above $100 million. So you know Derek Rose wants a piece of that pie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the second part of that is, look, if Derek Rose – for whatever reason, it doesn't work out, injuries, or um, maybe it's just not. For whatever reason, you have his contract comes off the books at $21.3 million. 
You go back out next summer, you can try to get a point guard. It'll be interesting to see if Russell Westbrook, for example, will be out there on the free agent market, uh, barring any extension, you know, contract with Oklahoma City. If Russell Westbrook's out there, I think New York is cer- would certainly be in the mix for Russell Westbrook and a bunch of other players at that position. So, uh, you know, to give up Lopez, you had to give you have to give up something to get a guy like Derrick Rose, who was a former MVP. And, you know, with that said, I think Jerry and Grant was a guy that was expendable because he didn't show Nick's management that uh, he was ready at what, last season. He was very inconsistent in times, and I think they thought the learning curve would be a little bit quicker, but it wasn't. And Jose Calderon, uh, an excellent locker room guy, a veteran point guard, but uh, it was no secret that the Knicks have been trying to move him for some time now. So, with that said, I think if you're in New York, you you take a calculated risk here with Derrick Rose because he's only on a one-year contract. And if he performs well, you you have the chance to re-sign him and go from there. And if you're Chicago looking at this deal, um, it gives them protection in case they ultimately decide to move Taj Gibson in the final year of his deal. I think you're certainly going to hear his name on the open market. And, uh, you know, they're they're an interesting team looking at Rondo, Jimmy Butler, and Dwayne Wade. I don't know if they have enough basketballs to go around there. And uh, they don't really have a lot of shooting on that team. But Lopez is a guy who does the dirty work and, you know, sets screens, can move without the ball, get rebounds. I think for them it's a good addition. And now you know the 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 Knicks. They were pretty, um, you know, pretty busy during the off season. You know, and plus you can't you can't always make Knicks fans happy. Uh, even you know on, on on my side when Derrick Rose was traded, it, it was um, you know the responses of well he's not the the 2011 Derrick Rose. He's not the the he's not the MVP Derrick Rose. He's not uh, he he's just not the same. But at the same time. Like you just said, they've been trying to get rid of Jose Calderon for since like forever, and now when the opportunity knocks and you get rid of him, then then the complaints of well, you know, we're getting a, a broken down, washed up former MVP, but at the same time, he's still he's still in his twenties. He looked pretty good last year. Um, the only thing with him is. He uh, obviously he has to remain healthy for a, a good stretch of the season. They also get Joe Kim Noah, like I mentioned, Courtney Lee, uh, Brandon Jennings. So the Knicks were very very busy and active. Um, from from the people they signed, from Noah Lee and, and, and Jennings, um, what do you think they get from those three guys? If you can say which is the most important signee or move that they did, which one would you say? Just one thing I want to say for some Knicks fans who feel that Derrick Rose is a washed-up MVP. Uh, <laughs> if Derrick Rose was still 2011 Derrick Rose, you wouldn't have got him for Robin Lopez and Jerry and Grant and uh, Jose Calderon. So I think they got to keep that in perspective, first of all. Mm-hmm. Um, be happy you got him. And as far as the guys that they brought in as free agents with Noah Lee and Jennings, I think... Joachim Noah's leadership, defensive ability, and passing ability is going to be huge for this team uh, at center. And 
I think he's out to prove that last year was a fluke injury riddled season and that he is still a very serviceable player. You know, this was a guy who was also in the MVP conversation when Rose was out a few years ago. Right. And uh, he, he's been an all-star. I think he'll be rejuvenated to come to New York. Uh, this is a guy that spent time in, in Brooklyn in Poly Prep High School as a youngster. He's lived here over the course of his life. He's excited to get back. I think he's going to get the best Joe Noah that you can expect at this stage of his career. Courtney Lee's shooting ability and defense, kind of the 3 and D mold that we've seen uh, transpire in the NBA lately as far as guys that are valuable. He's going to bring that to this team. And a guy like Courtney Lee I like because he doesn't need the ball. You know, you can just get him the ball off penetration and kick outs or have him just stand along the arc and whatnot. I, I think that's an, an underrated part of his game, especially when you got Carmelo and Derrick Rose who both need the ball to be successful. Obviously, you got to get Porzingis touches as well. Um, so in that regard, I think that's a, an important part of Lee's game. And then with Brandon Jennings, uh, this is a guy that on a one-year $5 million deal, coming back last year from his injury, you saw a guy that showed flashes here and there. I think now... Coming off the bench, I like what he mentioned about going for the sixth man of the year award. I think there's certainly going to be opportunities for that in terms of minutes that'll be made available to him with Derrick Rose kind of keeping him in check and not burning him out early. Um, and if Rose gets hurt, which has happened you know, countless times over the past few years, and Brandon has a chance to possibly start and – I think it's a win-win for both teams. You got a one-year, $5 million deal, sort of a prove-yourself deal, and you're going to get the best out of him as well, you would expect. One thing I would like to see, however, if I'm the Knicks, mm-hmm. I want to see one more free agent signing. I want one more point guard, in my opinion, because both players are very injury-riddled over the course of their careers at times, and I, I, I just think that if you get another third guy – for example, if it was me, I would look at a guy like Steve Blake on the open market or someone like that, uh, another veteran point guard, obviously is a win-now team that can step in, has no ego, and would be a guy that can shoot the three, run the offense, and be a low-maintenance type of player. I would like to see that happen. Uh, this is not any... Uh, you know, I'm not the GM, obviously, but that's that's one thing I would like to see, considering both of those guys, uh, the injury history that they've had. I think that would really shore it up because you look at the front court; they have depth there uh, on this team. I just think that would be one nice move. I know you could put Sasha Vujacic there, but oh, I think God. he's much more of a shooter than a point guard. I'm still surprised Sasha Vujicic is still not only on the Knicks, but he's still in the NBA. But uh, listen, like, like you said, I'm not worried about the GMs. We, do, we don't run basketball operations. But, I mean, like you said, if they can get a, a, a third-string point guard in the event Rose or Jennings do get hurt throughout the course of the season, that'll be great. I, I never asked you, uh, you know, what was your opinion on the Jeff Hornacek sign? Um, hiring for the head coach when, you know, we, we went through the whole Kurt Ramis thing and whether he was going to be, whether Phil was going to hire a triangle offensive um, 
triangle offense based uh, coach or whatever the case may be. But he goes, you know, a, a, a little to the left with, with Jeff Hornacek. I think that surprised uh, a few people. What did you make of now Jeff Hornacek becoming the Knicks head coach? Uh, I think at the start of that whole coaching search, uh, you know, Bill Jackson, talk about coming out of left field, he made the call to the bullpen to get on a second. That, that kind of surprised me a little bit. Yeah, but me too. What, 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 I will say this. I think they realized that Kurt Rambis could not be the head coach, and I think that's a step in the right direction, first of all, for the next, because um, you need to show some type of, movement towards the future and where basketball is going and it's not the triangle offense. You know, mid range jump shots are die a dying breed in the NBA. It's threes and penetration to the lane and foul shots if you can get them. So I think that was a step in the right direction with Hornacek. I think he's a guy that knows how you know, during his playing career, um Playing with a guy like John Stockton and Carl Malone, uh, he's played with he's played with stars and kind of been the third guy there. So I'm going to be interested to see if he can take that experience and blend Rose, Carmelo, and Porzingis together. Um, in, in Phoenix, his offense was pretty good, so that's a step up that they'd like to see um, and, and play with a little bit more pace. I think they now have the talent to do that and the players to do that, especially Derrick Rose on the open floor. Uh, regardless of his injuries, he is still one of the faster point guards in the league. And, you know, if you get Carmelo maybe on uh, some transition threes on, on the trail, on the break. And the biggest thing I want to see with Jeff Hornacek, this is a nice laid-back guy. He's a terrific person. Let me tell you, if you ever talk to him, He's great with the media, and I think that's very important, especially in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the mecca of basketball, but also the mecca of media being on on you, down, breathing down your neck a little bit. <laughs> true, and true. I, I think for him, it's going to be a real test for him and his ability as a coach. He's got one of the most talented rosters he's had as well, so going to be interesting. But I think in terms of uh, personality fit and his ability to be cordial and friendly with the media, I think that helps. I just want to see if on the court it all transitions together. But with what was out there, and look, Tom Thibodeau, I don't think anybody really thought he was coming here. I I think anybody that's a pure basketball guy would have loved Thibodeau here, but the reality is that uh, that wasn't likely to happen. So Going with Jeff was better than the alternative in keeping Kurt Rambis, in my opinion, as the head coach. Mm. So we'll see what happens. Now I got one more with the Knicks. Um, you know, um, you, you mentioned Phoenix earlier. I think it's kind of a somewhat perfect segue. Um, yesterday, the Knicks they they signed Amari Stoudemire to a, a, a one day contract. He um, eventually retires as a, a, a member of the New York Knicks, uh, even though he spent more time with Phoenix and had more uh, great times in the playoffs and, and, and stuff like that with Phoenix. Um, Amari, I think he's 32, 33 years old, 14 years in the NBA. And, you know, again, the Knicks fans are like, hey, you know why? You know, I, I guess everything comes comes full circle. Uh, he retires as a Nick. A lot of fans 
after the first year, we're not very happy with Amari because he, you know, that he was he was injured and did not play in uh, a good heavy portion of the games and during their playoff runs. Um, the whole fire extinguisher, everything, the, the the wine bath. We can go on and on with Amari, but w- when you kind of package everything together, um, one, were you, A, surprised that he uh, retired as a Nick and not a Phoenix Sun? And two, can we can can us and media and Nick fans kind of close that book, close that chapter? Like, hey, the Amari experiment worked for a little bit. He wanted to be here. We knew the contract he got maybe overpaid and, and, and or, or, um, the years were overextended for Amari. But at the end of the day, a lot of stuff that we see now with the Knicks and the players that we have with the Knicks, they don't come to New York without Amari Stoudemire being there. So when you look at Amari Stoudemire, I think him coming back, I'll say this. One thing that struck struck me was him coming Returning to New York to to retire mm-hmm. on that one day contract. Some fans were a little surprised that it wasn't with Phoenix Suns, where right. was an All Star for you know five years, and they had prime Amari Stoudemire. Exactly. You know, this was the guy that averaged thirty points in the playoffs one year, and he. Yeah. He gave it to Tim Duncan like nobody ever has in the Ridiculous. playoffs. And, uh, you know, look, Amari, when he came to the Knicks, it was pretty known what his physical condition was going to be. That's why Phoenix didn't want to pay and they wanted insurance on his contract. Um, but getting Amari Stoudemire, you know, some people, I remember back in the day, I think it was either him or David Lee, and some people were like, well, why wouldn't you see David Lee? Because Amari Stoudemire is a guy that, that kind of comparable numbers at the time a little bit. Um, Amari Stoudemire was a star, and that's a guy who was a magnetic personality to other stars that, that brought people here. Obviously, Carmelo wanted to come here. Uh, that was first and foremost one of the guys. Obviously, the pairing didn't uh, work out as well as people would like. But, you know, watching Amari that first year he was here, playing the whole season, you know, 37 minutes a night, Mm-hmm. Uh, 25 points. I mean, he, man, was he an MVP candidate that year. It just, it's unfortunate that after that, he was hurt. But, you know, with that said, I don't know how people, I mean, talk about this, but when Carmelo came that year, Mari allowed Carmelo to come and kind of do his thing. You know, I, I think with other stars that, that came to the team first, and kind of really began a, a rebuild or, you know, made themselves out to be the face of the franchise, he kind of allowed Melo to, to take that mantle. Right. I, I think he needs to be commended for that. Um, obviously, it's disappointing the injuries he's had, uh, since he had since that first year because it, it always leaves you with the what-if question. The same question that left us with Penny Hardaway, Grant Hill, uh, T-Mac all those years, you know, and, and the, you know, the one thing that strikes me, Amari Stoudemire, six-time All-Star, this guy was healthy, he would have been 10 plus, and that, that's the one disappointing factor for me, and, and I think for any fan of basketball, whether you're a Knicks fan or some somewhere else, um, but that said, it, it, it says something to me about him coming here and retiring with the Knicks. 
I think it says a lot about how he valued his time here and being the original face of the franchise guy here before Carmelo was traded to the Knicks. And um, I think subtly it says something about Phoenix, too. You know, obviously you made a decision to sign with the Knicks. Uh, I'm very curious if someone asked him why not Phoenix, what his response would be. I mean, yeah, I think, you know, if he wants to be political correct, he can just say that maybe, you know, that whole once a Nick, always a Nick kind of kind of moniker or maybe just the fallout of them not resigning him back in 2010 or do the, the health concerns um, that Amari had and uh, maybe just not having faith in Amari going forward. But, I mean, it, it could be any of those things. It could be something I didn't, you know, did not even mention, but... Uh, I think at some point it'll 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 be out there and why he chose uh, New York over Phoenix. But um, we're chatting with Mike Scotto of Sheridan Hoops. AP uh, covers the 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 Knicks and Brooklyn Nets. I mean, real quick, Mike. I I, I want to just you know me. I'm not a Brooklyn Nets fan. I, I like chatting Brooklyn stuff with you, but. You know, from just a couple of years ago to now, it's been like they had a high of the the the, the J Kid, Garnett, Paul Pierce, Joe Johnson, Brooke Lopez era, uh, Darren Williams, and then they they trade the draft picks and everything, and now you're looking at a totally totally different different team and, and organization, different coaches. Um, they did some moves in the draft in the offseason. They, they drafted uh, Whitehead. They get Jeremy Lin in the offseason, but they also traded Thaddeus Young to, to Indiana. Um, you know more about the Brooklyn Nets than I do. You know, today, what is your take on the Brooklyn Nets as a team and as an organization? My take on the Brooklyn Nets is uh, they leave no stones unturned in terms of looking for talent, whether that's from the D-League, overseas, um, you know, maybe even a free agent that people have thought was done. For example, guys like Anthony Bennett, Joe Harris. Um, and I, I think Sean Marks is a guy that values draft picks much more than Billy King did, um, certainly. And look, the Nets, you know, I remember when they traded for Garnett and Pierce, um, you know, their owner, Mikhail Prokhorov, said it was a bold move. Uh, it, was, it, it turned out to be more of a reckless move than a bold move. And I know people were excited at the time they were going for it, but mm. it was very short-sighted. I mean, and even at the time, did I think I, I thought they were a fringe contender with Garnett and Pierce because of their, their age at that point. They, you know, they're in the mid-30s. It's not like you were getting them in the prime. Um, and... It was such a personality clash with two alpha males in Garnett and Pierce with more passive leaders in D. Will, Lopez, Joe Johnson. Um, and, I, and I think that chemistry aspect was one reason they didn't go as far as I think some thought. Um, and looking at this team now, uh, you know, I think – Jeremy Lin, the signing for Jeremy Lin was ideal because it reunited him with Kenny Atkinson. They needed a guy to bring attention to this team. Right. And uh, <clears throat> Jeremy Lin gives him a chance to really find out how good can this kid be? You know, he's 27 right now. He's still in the prime of his career. This is the first time since 
win Sanity. He's going to have the ball in his hand. It's his show. So you might see the, the five-plus turnovers of the game, but I want to know if we're going to get close to the win Sanity Jeremy Lin or the guy we saw in Charlotte. You know, really good point guard. Uh, be a really good sixth man. Where is there a middle ground? That That's going to be the biggest storyline in terms of Jeremy Lin on the court this season, how he runs pick and roll with Brook Lopez. Other than that, you know, you bring in a guy like Louis Scola, Trevor Booker, proven veterans, uh, not exactly exciting power forwards, but certainly proven veterans. Um, and Anthony Bennett. This team, because of where they are in a rebuilding process, you can take a chance on Anthony Bennett. Mm. Uh, this is got to be I would assume this is the last chance for Anthony Bennett. Or if not, pretty darn close. So that is going to be a very interesting storyline because their expectations for him are to come in, compete for a rotation spot. So if there was ever a chance for Anthony Bennett to realize some of the potential that made him a number one overall pick, this is that situation. Now, how good is this team going to be? They got anything over 25 wins. That would be impressive. And I think they all realize that. They understand that. But I do think you're going to see a hardworking, competitive group out there. They may not win a lot of games, but I think watching Jeremy Lin is going to be fun. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to that because I want to see if he still has some of that Lin sanity in him. And this is his chance to, to take us back to that time. And, we all know how magical it was when he was with the Knicks. So, mm-hmm. um, but it, it'll be interesting. They're they're definitely a work in progress. Going after Alan Crabb and Tyler Johnson and restricted free agency showed me that they do have a plan, and I like it. You know, kind of overpaying restricted free agents. Might as well give it a chance. You're, you you want to go with young, improving guys, and if you're going to do that, that have potential. So. I think Sean Marks has proven early on that uh, he has potential as a GM. It's going to be interesting to see how they go moving forward. This is going to be a long rebuilding plan without any draft picks. All right. Uh, I do want to get your opinion on, on some of the other Eastern Conference moves that were made. Um, I mean, I, I, I maybe well, not so much of like changing changing the landscape of the NBA, but, you know, you, you get Dwight Howard going to Atlanta. You get Al Horford moving to, to Boston. Um, the Knicks, um, like I mentioned before, with Noah Jennings, Rose, and Courtney Lee. Uh, Miami Heat not having Luau Dang, Joe Johnson, Dwayne Wade, but they resigned Whiteside. Um, Chicago getting Rondo and Dwayne Wade. Um, and also the, the, the Indiana Pacers getting Thaddeus Young, Al Jefferson, and Jeff Teague. Which of these teams – that made big, bold, strong moves in the Eastern Conference can, I would say, can compete with the the likes of the Cleveland Cavaliers. In terms of competing with the Cleveland Cavaliers, I think you have to look first and foremost at the Boston Celtics because Al Horford was one of the top three agents on the market, and he should be a seamless fit with that team. Uh, can pick and pop and uh, another guy that doesn't necessarily need the ball in his hands to score can can play well with 
uh, Isaiah Thomas, I think. I think it's a perfect compliment, uh, those two going forward. And they really needed an elite or I won't say elite, I'll say an all-star caliber front court guy like Al Horford. I think that was the one thing that that team was missing. They have a great young coach in Brad Stevens and a lot of depth on that team. So I think out of the teams we talk about, the Atlanta Hawks, Miami Heat, Chicago Bulls, and the Indiana Pacers, I think that team made a significant improvement that could at least push Cleveland. And Cleveland is still the preeminent favorite in the East. But I think Boston has started to close that gap a little bit. Um, looking at Indiana, I think overall turnover that that team had. I think Jeff Teague is an upgrade over George Hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting Thaddeus Young and Al Jefferson, you know, in the place of a guy like Jan Mahimi, putting them with Miles Turner, I like that a lot. I think Miles Turner has all-star potential. I really do. I like that kid's game a lot. Um, and you still have Paul George as a star of the team, and, you know, you got guys, Rodney Stucky, Monte Ellis, you got guys that can fill it up. I, I think they're transitioning to where they wanted to be, more of an up-tempo team that pushes the pace. Um, it's going to be interesting to see with them. I, I think they could be in that top four Eastern Conference conversation uh, with Toronto, with Cleveland, and, you know, uh, excuse me, Boston in that mix as well. They all play to their potential. When I look at uh, the Hawks, as you previously mentioned, um, Dwight Howard, another guy that you would think you're going to get the best Dwight Howard coming home. Uh, very different player than Al Horford. Very different. But uh, whereas they always felt they were a little undersized at times with Horford at center, who's more of a natural four, uh, you know, Dwight Howard, that's certainly <laughs> a piece right there at center that with his size will make it easier for a guy like Paul Millsap. You know, he can stretch the floor. Um, keeping Ken Bates more was important to them. So uh, I, I think they are, you know, five through eight, somewhere in that range in the East. And then you talk about Miami. I still can't believe Dwayne Wade is a Chicago Bull. Yeah, very, very weird. weird. Very weird to see him in that uniform. Um, and, you know, basically, if you were to, if you were to say to me if Miami would pick Whiteside or Wade, I guess I'm a little surprised. But if anybody is going to be able to get the best out of Whiteside, Miami has proven it's them with their, uh, not only their development group, but their culture of revitalizing guys who have had trouble past um, previously, and I think, you know, they're still a potential playoff team, but the biggest X factor with them is Chris Bosh. Are we going to see him on the floor next year? We don't know yet. Um, and then with Bulls, my only concern with Dwayne Wade going there again is there's not enough basketballs. Rondo's going to dribble the air out of the ball. I mean, he's a great passer, don't get me wrong, but ball runs through Rondo and he will dribble the air out of it, and I don't know how much that's going to leave 
shots that Jimmy Butler and Wade to, to coexist and have the ball in their hands because that's when they're effective. So that's going to be interesting. It's it's certainly on paper a talented team. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, but, uh, again, I don't think they're in that upper echelon of the East. Looking at it now on paper with Cleveland, Toronto, uh, Boston, and Indiana at this point. I think Indiana, out of, out of all the teams last year, I think Indiana has a chance to be the most improved team with those additions that they made over the summer. All right, real quick. Then, then where do you see the Knicks falling? Are, are they just? I don't think they. I don't think. I mean, also, if they're all healthy, I don't think they just compete for the eighth spot. I think they compete for, which would be tough. I think anywhere between four and seven. I mean, to be fourth seed, they 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 gotta they gotta jump over a lot of teams that were good last year. Um, can they do that? I think they can if all healthy. But I think maybe. To be a, a a solid pick between five and seven, I know fans don't want to hear that. They 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 want the Knicks to, to win a championship or be in the conference finals, but um, everything depends on health. Where do you see the Knicks um, ending up? Uh, one, I, I would assume they make the playoffs if healthy. Two, where do you think are they in the top four or the bottom four? I think you know. The real X factor is Miami with Bosch because they don't have Bosch. You know, they could definitely fall out of that playoff mix. And mm-hmm. uh, could Charlotte take a step back without some of the pieces that they lost? Possibly. Uh, Detroit. Uh, I think if you're the Knicks, the five to eight range at this point makes sense just because you can't bank on Derrick Rose to play a full season. Right. Can't say the same thing about Brandon Jennings. So I think they're, I think they're certainly in the mix for the playoffs. If they didn't make the playoffs, that'd be a huge disappointment. Let's start oh, yeah. right there. If, they, if this team doesn't make the playoffs with the with the changes that they made, <laughs> that would be a that would be a major disappointment. Oh yeah, big time, so, big time. Um, that that said, I think right now, you know, ceiling five. Four eight, I think I think we're in agreement on that. Mm. Now, you know, you mentioned Boston and Miami earlier. Those two teams are very interesting because one, when you mention a guy like Russell Westbrook, who's going to be a free agent at the end of this season, there's no guarantee he'll stay with Oklahoma City. There's no guarantee that he'll be traded before the everything starts or at trade deadline. We just have no idea. What's gonna? What's in his future now? A team like Boston has been linked to to Russell Westbrook, uh, of trying to 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 uh, to get him via a trade. Miami Heat can try to get him um, next summer because they'll have the room to 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 do that. Um, players like Chris Paul and Stephen Curry and Blake Griffin gonna be free agents um, next summer as well. But a guy like Westbrook. I think he has options, whether he stays with Oklahoma City, he could go to New York if the, the whole Rose Jennings thing does not pan out. He can also go to Boston if, if, you know, if he wants to. There were talks about pairing him up with Blake Griffin. I think meeting Blake Griffin will go to Oklahoma City. So many options for this guy. Where do you see the best fit being? For Russell Westbrook, who can be a sleeper team that could try to acquire him before the season or during the season, or do you ultimately think that with Kevin uh, with Kevin Durant leaving, he wants to prove that he can lead 
that Thunder team with the roster they have to not only the playoffs but also to a championship in that state? The competitor in Russell Westbrook wants to stay in Oklahoma City because I think he fed on himself above anyone. His supreme confidence level would dictate that. Um, I personally want to see Russell Westbrook go for a triple-double every night because if there was ever an opportunity, this is it. And we've seen him put up those type of numbers when Durant was out for a prolonged period of time. If Westbrook was going to go somewhere else, you know, via trade, certainly the Lakers and the Celtics are two teams that are going to be highly in pursuit of him and have great young assets and draft picks to get it done. Uh, the question is, you're not going to make that move if you're not going to have it guaranteed that he'll stay. Right. So that's, that's the biggest question mark. And uh, certainly if he wanted to make a splashy move and be a guy that was – you know, we're going to make not only a splashy move on the court, but off the court, hey, there's always the Knicks next year. You know, uh, especially as a fashion guy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it, I don't think that can be uh, underestimated in terms of him wanting to grow his, his fashion and whatnot because he is a guy that he's into that stuff. So uh, what better place and what bigger markets than, like, L.A. and, New York and certainly L.A. as it used to be L.A. ties from back in the days in college. So um, it, it's going to be interesting. They're, Oklahoma City is going to have no shortage of uh, competitive trade offers, especially starting with the Lakers and the Celtics. But I can't see Danny Ainge trading away any asset, especially a pick like the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, that he acquired in the Garnett Pierce trade, if he doesn't think that Westbrook's going to stay. Next year's draft is loaded. So the projected draft is loaded. So that would be, on one hand, if he took the risk and did it, boy, would that put them right up there with Cleveland. But, you know, then you're also losing, you know, Isaiah Thomas being there is one of the, the reasons that they're a good team. So do you would you potentially have to give up Isaiah Thomas? Then obviously you improve, but you're not improving at a different position where you, you could use um, another star. You know what I'm saying? Isaiah Thomas was an all-star guy. So uh, that said, you still obviously would want Westbrook over him. But it's, it's totally unpredictable at this point with Russell Westbrook. If they start the season out, Hey, we all go in the city. You got to start the season out. See what you have with just Russell Westbrook. And if you can somehow get him to an extension talk, then that's a win for you. But if not, you can't lose him and Durant potentially for nothing. That will cripple that franchise. And they've shown over the years they love young, desirable assets that they can retain and restricted free agency. You have to pay Stephen Adams, you know, close to a max contract. Um, so with that in mind, I think ultimately they do trade Russell Westbrook. And I think the rest of the league would agree with that. So question is where and when. Uh, for the trade deadline, just before, I don't think it would be a start of the season. So it'll be fun. 
definitely going to be the, probably the top headline all season long, the way Durant was last season and where he could go. Now, you know, even with all the moves that teams uh, in the Eastern Conference have been doing, same thing with the Western Conference, at the end of the day, are we just on a collision course to see the Cavaliers and the Warriors end up in the NBA Finals for the third straight season? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Basically. I mean, look, Golden State, you know, my goodness. There is is a kryptonite with Golden State right now. Yeah. At at center. And and, and let me tell you something. Zaza Pachulia is a very good center. He is. But in terms of rim protection as a shot blocker, you need to add some depth there. And, you know, Hogan's rim presence. That's the one thing I would like to see. I, the net gain of getting Kevin Durant cannot be understated at all. I mean, look, you, you get rid of Barnes, you get rid of Vizelli, you get rid of all those bench pieces, or both the space, you do all that to get him. Um, that is one of the things that made them good. They, they had a very highly efficient shooting and passing team that they all blended well together. So, you know, it, it, it is obviously a reasonable move, get, but they're going to have to bring in another center, in my opinion, just to, just to have that defensive shot-blocking presence. You need it. Um, and looking at Cleveland... Um, you know, LeBron is coming back. I know the contract hasn't been done yet, but he'll be back. They are, I would expect, to stay. Um, so, losing Devil to Dova, I don't think cripples them at all, you know. So, uh, they're still the, the preeminent favorite. Kyrie Irving, after what he did in the finals, that, that kid is, you know, Phenomenal. <laughs> it, all, it all depends on Kevin Love, really. But uh-huh. I think they, they, they have the pieces, no doubt. I mean, yeah, sure, losing Miles Gav and whatnot. But um, we saw last year he thought the rotation wasn't a core guy. So they have all the pieces to get back. It all, it's all about health. And, you know, you can make the argument that Cleveland having the chemistry that they have could be in a better position than uh you know, Golden State to navigate the regular season uh, in that regard. I still think Golden State's going to win a ton of games. I don't, I, you know, I don't think they're going to break the record that they set last year. And I don't think they want to, honestly. Um, but we're certainly on a collision course for those two for the third straight time. Um, we'll see what happens, but definitely headed that way. Now, we mentioned Amari earlier, um, but he's also part of this whole retirement thing with Tim Duncan and Kobe Bryant no longer in the NBA. Um, for the first time, I think, what, since 96, we're not going to have Kobe. First time since 97, there's no Duncan. And obviously, first time since 02, no um, Amara Stoudemire. So, I mean, for you as, for you as a fan, um, would, be, would, would watching the games without them be any different um, not seeing those Hall of Famers, Duncan and Kobe, in there um, playing a game? Or would it just be like, well, we have the talent to to keep the NBA going with, with LeBron and Curry and Durant and, and, and all these guys? Um, would it be much of a difference? Or do you feel like the NBA is still in good hands to, to be watchable and 
regardless of whether Tim Duncan and Kobe Bryant are there or not. I think life moves on no matter what, but that said, it's going to be very weird, weird watching the Lakers without Kobe Bryant. No doubt about it. And, I, you know, Angelo Russell and, you know, Julius Randle, they got a lot of nice young pieces there. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, Brandon Ingram, terrific uh, young potential. But it's not the same without Kobe Bryant. And um, that's the one thing I think is going to be different. And, and, and honestly, I'll say the same thing about Spurs without Duncan because, you know, despite the limited minutes he was playing over the course uh, of last season, um, he still was such a big part of what they did on offense and defense when he was in the game. Uh, they ran a lot of their sets through him. And, you know, he was an extension of Popovich on the floor. Uh, he really was. And I think anytime it's going to be so interesting to see how Pop does without Duncan because while he's still not, you know, the preeminent all-star that he was towards the latter part of his career, just the bonds they had, I think I even touched upon it. Going to practice every day, it's going to be different without Tim Duncan. And, I, you know, same in, in terms of Mari, you mentioned, um, gonna miss the, you know, we, we've had time to adjust from Amari because Amari at his peak was the Steve Nash pick-and-roll combo. We haven't seen that for some time, so it, it's been easier to adjust to that. Mm-hmm. But in terms of Duncan and Kobe, as a fan, you know, covering the league, watching the game, it, that, that those two I'm particularly going to miss. I'll miss Amari, too, but, um, again, I had time to adjust to like without him and Steve Nash running the pick and roll. Uh, it, that pick and roll is right up there with Carl Malone and John Stockton. Just a, a new age, flashier version, you know. Um, and it showed the progression of how basketball has gone through an evolution over decades. And, and that's the one thing I'm going to really miss about watching those two together. Um, and with Kobe and Duncan first ballot Hall of Famers and just the greatness that they brought to the game for so long. Uh, they'll, be, they'll be dearly missed, but, you know, that said, NBA fans, you're certainly in good hands. You've still got guys like LeBron, Steph Curry, Durant. Um, plenty of young talent out there still and, and some of it in the prime of their career. And, you know, one guy I don't want to leave out there could just potentially retire. Kevin Garnett. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike, him, Paul Pierce, Ginobili. We know Dirk is coming up next, you know, soon. So, I mean, I, I, a lot of these guys we've seen, you know, in the early 2000s, you know, mid-2000s that we grew up uh, watching, um, it just feels like, like like where does time go? Where does, like, man, I, Amari's been – like when you sit back and think about it, Amari Stoudemire was in the league for 14 years. Kobe 20, Duncan uh, 19, 20. Um, Dirk is gonna make 20, whatever it is. It's like all with one team, and it's like man, like where did you know LeBron is, is a 14 year veteran. D Wade the same thing. Uh, Carmelo the same thing. It's like like Jesus Christ, <laughs> like where did time go? Like I seen his whole career, and it's like man, like you you just sit back and just realize like. They're not playing in the NBA no more. It's just, you know, it, it, it's good. It's good that you saw their career and everything. But at the same time, it's like 
you're just not going to see them on the floor no more. Yeah, and, you know, especially... It makes me feel old, Mike. makes you feel old. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel a little old sometimes when I go to the park and I'm playing ball. And I like <laughs> a second bounce. Yeah, you know, I used to be able to hang off the rim, believe it or not. But now I can barely, like, raise the rim anymore, so... Hey, man, if you can graze the rim... You are up for a max contract, bro. With the money they were giving out, you can you can make one good move and you get a five year deal, bro. <laughs> not, not bad for a five ten Italian point guard, right? <laughs> but as far as but as far as those guys, you know, KG, et cetera, um, you know, I boy, I'm gonna miss them and Derek so much because KG, you know, when their time comes, um. KG, just uh, he set a trend in the NBA too with changing the power forward position, making mm-hmm. it more versatile and and blocking shots after the whistle. People start doing that because of Kevin Garnett, okay? And 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 that that set a psychological tone. You're not going to get anything easy. And uh, you know, Derek, one of the greatest shooters and. Uh, you know, power forwards the league is seen. I think of him when he came into the league with that that haircut. <laughs> we watched the kid grow up and become a man. You know, that that's the other thing. Even when Carmelo's time comes, he came in, you know, baby-faced kid out of Syracuse, and you look at him now. And that's the beauty and the evolution of the NBA and watching these guys grow over time as players and young and from young men to adults. Um it's the cycle of life, and it's great to see in the NBA as, as time goes on. But we'll really feel old when some of these younger cats coming in like, uh, you know, the Ben Simmonses of the world when they're about to retire, you know, one day and whatnot. So it's a beautiful thing, and that's, that's one of the reasons why you, NBA fans, and, and myself love the NBA. One more before I let you go. Uh, you know, you just mentioned Ben Simmons, and we also got Brandon Ingram come in to the NBA. Minnesota is a very young team with a new head coach. Um, can make could you know do some damage out west, um, but you know the Western Conference is always competitive. Is there a player, or are there players, or is there a team that uh, you yourself are, are are mostly interested in in trying to uh, to see this season? Uh, well, first of all, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, Simmons. I think he has he has a lot of Lamar Odom in his game where he can be one of the most versatile guys. I just think that his potential could be obviously better than Lamar. But the ability to score, rebound, pass, push the ball, and dribble the ball at his size is going to be fun to watch. Uh, Ingram with L.A. and, and – Chris Dunn going to Minnesota. You talk about the perfect situation for him as a point guard and learner from Tom Thibodeau. I think that's going to be terrific. And Tibbs is an underrated player developer, like he did with Noah and Derek Rose, in my opinion. As far as the team, I'm really looking forward to watching next season. I think the easiest answer to that is Golden State, certainly, because of how fun it could be. But I also want to put the Knicks in that mix 
because in New York, I think that the potential that they have if that team is healthy could be a lot of fun. And, you know, obviously being a guy, a local guy, covering both the Knicks and the Nets, I'm looking forward to that. And on a smaller scale, as I've mentioned earlier, I really, um, you know, in a year where the Nets are expected to struggle, I'm all about watching Jeremy Lin and seeing how good this kid really could be and where he fits in that Lin sanity to Charlotte quality player range. So those are some things that I'm definitely going to be looking out for. And lastly, I, I would I wouldn't sleep on the Clippers. I think that team is still really good. And Oklahoma City, if they keep Russell Westbrook for however long it is, watching him go for a triple-double every night is going to be fun. There's certainly a lot of excitement in the NBA. And uh, I think if you're an NBA fan, you certainly can't complain. There'll be plenty to watch and look through on our uh, league pass. Mm. Last question. Uh you are on Twitter at Mike A. Scotto. Last question. Why are you not verified yet, bro? What's up, man? We got we got to holler at Twitter and, and get get them to make you verify, bro. <laughs> That's a good question, yeah. I try, <laughs> try to break as much news as I can. Um, but it, it'll all come in due time. And uh, I appreciate that, though. I've got to catch up with some of those uh, – Twitter bosses over there see what's going on, but uh, I, that is also the other thing that makes the NBA great. NBA Twitter. Um, oh yeah, definitely. Definitely, some of the most passionate fans, and um, you know the hot takes on Twitter from any move that happens is always always fun to watch. Certainly. Oh yeah, and, you know. It, if it's not NBA Twitter, it's like Lakers Twitter, it's Knicks Twitter, it's like, you know, the bandwagon fan Twitter, everybody's a Golden State fan nowadays, but the Knicks Twitter be most entertaining because they can lose two in a row, and then your first thing is, well, we, we got to trade this guy, we got to fire the coach, what is Phil Jackson doing, we got to get somebody a trade deadline, and I'm like, dude, we're only in like mid-November, we, we all got to chill out. <laughs> no, no. You know, you mentioned about the Knicks fans. There's never been a time where every Knicks fan is happy with everything. Oh, never. 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 Until they win a championship, they won't be happy. You know, they can sign LeBron next year, and it's like, well, LeBron's 35. <laughs> <laughs> it won't be that. There's always that troll. There's always that. Oh, man. It's always that, man. <laughs> And you're laughing because you, you you know I'm right. LeBron, 35. He may not have it no more. He got three three years left in the prime or whatever. You know, it's it, it just always something, man. Like I like I told you with D Rose, like D Rose still is still in 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 his twenties. He's not thirty plus, you know, and he's like twenty eight years old. He he could be healthy. He could play the entire season. He could play seventy five games. You just don't know. But you can't. We all can't knock it. Um, before he plays, and I think for what they gave up and what what we get back in return, and the buzz is here, and everybody just very um, highly anticipating the, the the games to start. And he still got mellow in, in, in his prom, a young star in Porzingis. I think Knicks fans should be happy because at least now we have playoff potential on on our radar. It just 
how's everything how is everything going to work out but at some point we just got to be like well phil jackson made some moves we, we did not get durant and the big time guys but as long as he got some star um some some star power some talent we should all relax and glad we're like we're not like the milwaukee bucks or some other team that that, that has no chance of making the playoffs the best the best thing is you know if if you want to sum up the Knicks fan experience in a nutshell, is Porzingis gets drafted, gets booed, he's a bum, nobody knows who he is, never watched any tape on him, comes in, and then all the talk is every time he makes a, a, a basket or something, and he's 7'3". <laughs> he's a unicorn. He's a, he's a beast. Like, and now the tide just shifts. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. that encompasses... Knicks fans, to me, uh, in, in in such a fun way because if you if you succeed in New York, mm-hmm. oh, the fans love you and it's, it's one of the most terrific experiences. But New York is also a town that has booed Derek Jeter when he's been in a slump. You know what I mean? It, it's yeah. the dynamic that only New York can really bring. I feel to <laughs> certain certain aspects of sports, and I think that's what makes it a challenge and fun at the same time to play here. And nobody, I think, realizes that better than a guy like Carmelo Anthony. I think he gets it. Yeah, we you know, real quick, we, we go from, like you said, Porzingis is the bomb. We have no idea who he is. I, I've only seen him on YouTube. Fast forward a year later, oh, we, we, we have to build around Porzingis. It's like, mm-hmm. can, can we can we make up our minds? Like, what do we want to do? Like, it's just, it's just I mean, Mike, it's New York. It is what it is. I'm a fan. I've been through it for, for for so long. I'm used to it. But at least it shows how passionate we are. And I think I think that's the bottom line. Absolutely. The, you know, the next step, I think, for New York is um, we have to get back to developing some of that young talent. Yeah. You should come out of here. You know, um, you think of all the guys in the years past the that we've had, I think that's that's our next step is as as a New York basketball place. Can we get back to that? And then who are going to be who's going to be part of that next station coming up? Mike Scotto, always a pleasure having you on talking NBA basketball. Um, should be a, a very interesting and great season coming up you're on twitter at mike a scotto you do work for the sheridan hoops.com and, and the uh, ap um always great having you on bro my pleasure randy always you know there's few people you can be on the line with for an hour and have a good conversation you're one of them always a pleasure my friend Anytime, man. Any, um, yeah, man. For for a guy to have you on the on the on the phone for an hour and it's like ninety five degrees outside, that shows great dedication to the program. I'm <laughs> <laughs> man, baller, baller's life. You already know. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. Anytime, Randy. All right.